0: You're listening to Veg Your Best. There has never been a more important time to be vegan. At Veg Your Best, I want to help you. I want to help you limit and eliminate the consumption of animal products without feeling deprived, overwhelmed, or unsupported, even if no one you know is vegan. My name's Michelle Olander. I'm a life coach. And I know that if I could go vegan in my 50s, With all my excuses, I know you can start moving in that direction too. Veg your best, and there's nothing you can't do. Welcome, and welcome, and if you're one of my Veg Your Besties, welcome back. Welcome back to Veg Your Best. This is round two. Three. <laughs> I've had some problems recording today, so we're going to try. and I don't know. I don't know what we're going to try recording today, uh, the third time, and see if that's the charm. And if you've come back, if you're one of my veg your besties, and I just want to let you know how grateful I am that in a world with more or less infinite options, that you're spending a little of your precious time here at the podcast, and uh, in return. In return, I hope to be, I hope to be, I guess, a friendly reminder every week that when you're trying to limit or eliminate the consumption of animal products, I want to remind you that I know it can seem like food is the issue, that food is the problem. It can seem that the food you stop eating and the food you start eating and what new foods you need to learn about or find or cook or substitute, I get it that It can seem like food is the tricky part, and it can seem, it can feel like figuring out what to eat, where to go, what to buy or order, what to prepare, what to fuel yourself with. It can feel overwhelming. It can feel time consuming, and it can seem like food is the challenge of leaning into a vegan or a plant-based practice. But I think if that were true, if it were food that was the challenge, if it were food that was the issue, then anyone with the ability to buy beans and greens and grains, veggies, mushrooms, fruits and seeds, those people would be all set. Because there are uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of excellent guides and resources and recipes available, many for free from physicians and from registered dietitians and endurance athletes and busy moms. So many resources that will tell you exactly how to begin and what to do with the food. So if it were just a question of the food, I think anyone who was concerned about the health impact of animal foods and the ethical and environmental impact of animal agriculture, anyone who wanted to stop consuming animals and wanted to no longer eat the bodies and secretions of tortured, abused animals, anyone who wanted to stop financially supporting those industries would already be contentedly eating those filling, nourishing, and delicious plants and whole foods. And with Maybe a few fast food vegan treats now and then, and they—they would not be looking back. And that is largely how I live now, but it wasn't always the way. Because, because Ved your besties, I don't think it's the food. The tricky part—it's not the food. The thing that gets in the way for most of us is really not the food. The tricky part for most of us is what we think about that food. It's what we think about meat and dairy and eggs and fish. Even if we think it's cruel or unhealthy, we have been practicing thoughts for years, for decades. We've been thinking that eating animals is normal remember Melanie Joy, PhD, who was on the pod not too long ago, she calls it the three ends. She calls it the three ends: normal, natural, and necessary. And we've been raised to think that eating some animal bodies and some animal secretions are healthy and necessary to build strong bodies. We've been raised to think about animals, some animal products, as as traditional to our culture, as integral to our uh, culture, as comforting, or even in some cases like foie gras and caviar, as sophisticated, as elegant, as luxurious and deserving high prices. We've been conditioned to think that animal bodies on the grill are a convivial get-together with friends or with teammates and the extended family. So I think it's not the food that makes developing a vegan or a plant-based practice challenging for some of us. It is simply our thoughts about what those choices are going to mean. The thoughts, the thoughts we have about what we used to eat, and maybe our thoughts that, well, maybe it's too late for us, and maybe, well, what difference is it going to make? Maybe we think about possible pushback or arguments with family or co-workers or friends. Maybe we think about changing our traditions or or what our typical family activities have been so far. And that was a big one. That was a big one for me. Maybe we are thinking that the learning curve is going to be too much, especially while we are busy with, well, with whatever is going on right now. Maybe we're thinking... Oh, our spouse or our partner is pretty stressed right at the moment. Maybe we should wait. Maybe we should put that plant-based idea off or on hold until they are a little more relaxed. We also might be thinking about an upcoming uh, wedding or an event or family brunches or the vacation travel or business trip that we're hoping for or some kind of uh, situation where there are pre-planned lunches and dinner meetings. So while we're thinking all those things, we're going to be more or less paralyzed about what we do want to do. Because until we slow down our brains, we might just keep thinking it's, that it's the food, that it's what we're going to do, what we're going to choose, that that is what the challenge is. But it's not. <laughs> and you know how I noticed that? It's because I had all the same thoughts that I, you know, that I enumerated, I had all those thoughts, some more, some less, but I had all those thoughts that if I changed how I ate, it would be overwhelmingly a drag for my family, that it would be, that it would be an unwelcome change and a complication for my family and for, for my husband who likes to go out to eat with me. I thought that it would make annual vacations in Italy or Spain, especially in France, less fun. I thought, that, uh, I thought that if I committed to a vegan practice, I would be forced to think so much more about the horrific conditions and treatment of animals, as well as the humans who work in animal agriculture. Those were all thoughts I had that had me a little bit stuck, a little bit paralyzed about limiting and eliminating the consumption of animal products. It was the thoughts, and it wasn't the food. It wasn't. It was my thoughts about change. It was my thoughts about asking for what I want when it wasn't obviously available. It was my thoughts about sometimes having to be, I don't know, maybe less spontaneous and more intentional about food. I had thoughts about not eating something that I used to enjoy and watching everyone else eat and enjoy that food. I had thoughts about sometimes, well, not knowing what to choose or how to ask for it. And I had thoughts about making my life easier or more fun for my family and husband. And I had thoughts about traditions and birthdays and holidays and not upsetting other people. My thoughts were not about the food. So therefore, it took me a long time to fully commit. And I've talked about that in the past on the podcast about my identity as what I called what I do call an excusitarian. I was an excusitarian for quite a while, meaning I made vegan choices, unless there was an excuse. And that excuse was always because of some thoughts I was having thoughts about being put out or other people, my loved ones especially, not enjoying being around me if and when I made a vegan choice. So, what changed for me while I was practicing excusitarianism was that I started to keep my eyes open, looking for people, looking for people and evidence that it was possible rather than not possible. To be vegan. I started collecting stories of people. I started I, I've done this with many things I've I've attempted in my life. I look, I collect people, I collect evidence, and I started looking for people from all walks of life who seemed to be living full lives, making vegan choices and enjoying themselves without concentrating too much on what others thought and what others were eating and what was routinely available. I started looking for, and, yes, actually finding evidence that it was possible to live a full, healthy, happy, engaged, delighted life without eating animals. And then what changed for me was not the food. It wasn't. It was just my thought, my belief that, yeah, it really is possible possible not just for hippies, not just for people who always cook at home, not just for people who don't really care about food. It was uh, possible not just for macrobiotic obsessives who obsessively weigh and measure. It is possible not just for people with private chefs or living in a commune of like-minded people. I started to think that it was possible for a person like me. And that changed everything. Everything. When I started to think that. Because whether you think you can or think you can't, right? This is a truism. Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. And where have you already seen that in your life? Where have you seen that in the people around you? That you can do certain things that others have been challenged to do primarily because you have the advantage of believing that it's possible. Maybe you think it's possible because you grew up with a parent who was able to do that thing. Or maybe you grew up not believing it was possible, but along the way you were exposed to a person or a teacher or a community that gave you the confidence to believe that it might be possible for you. When you believe something is possible, your actions start to change. Sometimes subtly, sometimes not so subtly at all. Because if you believe you can trust in ideas, if you believe you can, you start to believe that you could learn, that you could practice, that you could take an intentional step. And if you don't believe something's possible for you, you're highly unlikely to take consistent actions, consistent steps to learn or grow your skills, to grow your muscles, your coordination, whatever that is. If you believe you can, or you believe you can't, you're right. So kids, that is what I do here. I show up every week. I show up so far, 121 consecutive weeks. I show up every week to remind you that it is possible for you. And some people some people uh, see themselves in someone like myself more than in same, some other in kind of influencer or or actress or model or endurance athlete some people see themselves more in me a middle-aged lady who started to believe it was possible and to take steps because there is a simple process If you want to live a life without supporting animal agriculture, without filling your body with animal products, but you haven't been able to do it so far, or you haven't been able to commit to it so far, I want you to know that it's not the food. It's just your thoughts about food. And when I say just your thoughts, I'm not saying that's nothing. I'm saying it's everything, but it's the area that we can change. And that's why I almost never talk about food or what I eat or recipes on this podcast, because first of all, there's no limit to the people who have that information out there. And I can happily point you towards people and resources. But to me, developing a vegan practice is simply an action you take when you start to think it's possible more than when you think it's impossible. A vegan practice, these are just choices you make and refine when you're focusing more on why you do want to live a vegan life, more than focusing on the reasons why you don't want to change. Recently on the pod, we had endurance adventure athlete, he likes to be called, Bicycle Brendan Walsh, Adventure Athlete Bicycle Brendan Walsh. And he talked about his vegan evolution, and he warned us against perfection. And he said he just started by choosing this, not that. One thing at a time as it presented itself. And that may, sound, um, that may sound simplistic, but it is really the case. And there's something that happens when you start to commit to a vegan practice that most of us never expect. We don't see it coming. Yes, yes, we're looking to opt out of cruelty. We're looking to fuel our bodies with whole foods. We are looking to align our choices with our environmental goals. But the side benefit that most of us never see coming is that you start to see you can do anything. If you can opt out of the industrial animal agricultural system, you can opt out of eating animals while still loving your family. If you can commit to plant-based choices while being with people and celebrating the different festivals as we rotate through this universe? If you can joyously, compassionately choose this, not that, day by day, one day at a time, you realize how truly powerful we humans are. You know, I've never in my life been happier than I am right now. And that is in large part down to the excitement, the compassion I've learned by committing to a vegan practice and learning how to extrapolate, how to, how to use those tools all over my life. And I show up here because yes, in middle age, late middle age, depending how you define my age, I was in my fifties when I started this process, I learned that it is the same process that makes everything else possible. Whether you want to start a business or invest invest more love in your relationships, whether you want to get stronger physically or more focused intellectually, whether you want to build skills in any area, the method is the same as the Ved Your Best method. We keep focusing intentionally more on what you can do and what is possible. We keep focusing more on the solutions. We keep looking for examples of success. And it's of course, all too easy, all too easy to focus on what's not working, what wouldn't work, people who couldn't do it. And we've talked about that brain science, our negativity bias. We've talked about that many, many times on the podcast, the way the automatic part of our brains has kept us alive as a species is by being exceptionally alert to all the things that can go wrong, all the things that can kill us, isolate us from our tribe, and leave us to die alone on the tundra. But we also have that prefrontal part of the brain, the prefrontal part, which is where we develop intentions, where we create, where we make plans, where we look for patterns. It just takes, the bad news is it takes a lot of energy compared to the highly efficient part of our brain, which knows so easily how to save an awful lot of time and energy by just encouraging us to sit down, conserve our energy and probably eat because who knows when we're going to need to run for our lives and live off our fat stores until spring. So looking for evidence, creating a plan, being intentional. Yeah, it does take more energy than just repeating why we can't do it, why she couldn't do it, why he couldn't do it, and why we haven't done it yet. It's totally normal, and yet it is also totally overridable. Is that a word, overridable? We can override that system of our primitive brain. And that's what we do in coaching. We override by investing by making a specific plan to stimulate the prefrontal part of the brain. And I will help you, you will learn how to make a more specific plan that moves you towards the life you want to create intentionally. So if you want that, if you want more intentional and less default in the year ahead, of course, please let me know. We can always have a talk, a support call to see how coaching might really support your goals. And, I mean, I know this to be true. Sometimes my clients are attracted to my podcast or to my message because uh, they resonate with the idea of developing a vegan or a plant-based practice. But, and there's always a but, right? They think mm, I have some other issues or projects or things that need to be handled first, super normal, super common issue. And I think that I am particularly, (laughs) particularly suited for that because I would never, ever push you to do anything you don't want to do, nothing, something, anything you're not ready to do. That never happens, but we can figure out how to keep you focused on what your priorities are and still develop a way to veg your best. So you're not losing any time. We don't have to wait until all your ducks are in a row. So that's it. That's it. The last episode of 2022. And as, as I said at the top, I wanted to kind of recap why I show up here, why I do what I do here. And if you maybe you know someone who might be helped by moving towards a plant-based practice, someone who has said that they want to move in that direction. And maybe you know someone who might be looking for some support along these lines. This could be the episode to start to share with them. And of course, we have a large back catalog, but I think I've kind of said a large part of why I do this work here. And in the new year, we'll have a lot to talk about, including goals. <laughs> and if you're shrinking, if you're wincing goals, why? Why are so many of you goal phobic? I am so fascinated by this. If you don't like goals, you don't want to talk about goals. And uh, spoiler, I think it's because you're thinking of them as something painful. And we can definitely fix that. Goals should be something exciting, delightful, fun, interesting, but they shouldn't be painful. Okay, kids. All right. My veg, your besties. Happy, happy, happy new year. And if you, uh, oh, if you ever want to leave me a message, uh, there's a new link in the show notes. Um, you can record a message. You can leave a comment or an idea or a topic you'd like me to cover. You could ask me a question. Um, and if you give me your permission, we can play your idea, question, etc., whatever you say on the podcast in one of the upcoming 2023 episodes. So just follow the link. It'll say, leave me a message or be on the pod." I can't remember what it says offhand, but you'll see it's how you can uh, leave a voice message for Veg Your Best. So until then, my Veg Your Bestie, this is my third time through. I hope I did my notes in the right order, but I wish you and yours peace, love, and health. Veg Your Best. Veg Your Best podcast production, music and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So, until next week, make it easy and veg your best.